and thanks for listening to RT Radio 1's The Rolling Wave podcast with me, Aoife Nick-Karmick. In this episode, I'll be talking to a wonderful musician from County Clare, piano player Geraldine Cotter, who'll be telling me about the album Friends of Note, which she recorded with three legendary County Clare musicians, Peter O'Loughlin, who died in 2017, Paddy Canny, who passed away in 2008, and Paddy Murphy, who died in 1992. This music was recorded in the 1970s and 80s, but it was only finally released back in 2019. So to start us off, some music. This is a track from all four musicians playing together. This is Pat Canny's Jig. Canny's Jig and the Pipe on the Hob they're played by Paddy Canny, Paddy Murphy Peter O'Loughlin and Geraldine Cotter from the album Friends of Note um, Geraldine Cotter you're very welcome to The Rolling Wave and um, we're delighted to have you. Thank you very much um, this, Thank you very much th- This album Geraldine, uh, Friends of Note was recorded over a longish period of time but when the project started you were very young, you were much younger now than the other three musicians who were with you tell me, before we come to the recording tell me how you came to play with them in the first place, because they were obviously familiar with your music and vice versa before before you ever went near a studio. I have no real recollection as to how I ended up with them, but I do have a strong memory of Peter O'Loughlin and Paddy Murphy collecting me. They're coming in from Kilmele, collecting me in the Clare Road in Ennis, where I lived, and bringing me out to Minogue's, where we'd be joined by Paddy Canny, and I would play the piano with them. Now, I hadn't a clue what I was doing. So at the time, what I did was uh, play the melody with them. So that's how I, that was my first introduction, really, was playing melody with them. But I think maybe how he, Peter, it would have been Peter, really, rather than Paddy Murphy that um, invited me. And he would have, he was actually a friend of my father's as well. But um, he had held a, uh, concerts in Kilmele and I suppose he invited younger musicians to perform in this including um, people like Eileen O'Brien and Maeve Donnelly and myself but um, I learnt I learnt the tin whistle in a class in Ennis and I was good at slow airs and I'd say I was invited out first to his concert to play slow airs and then I don't know how he heard I played the piano really um, I he had there was a piano in Kilmele Hall and maybe I was messing around with that or something but um, he heard obviously through the grapevine that I played it so um, and there weren't too many piano players in the county at the time so I suppose they didn't have they didn't have too many people to choose from <laughs> but it was a huge honour you know a huge honour that um, as like it, the older I get the more I realise how privileged I was to have been um, uh, in, allowed to be in their esteemed company like as their iconic musicians all three of them and for them to embrace a young one like me who was just really uh, learning um, and I just learnt on the job you know that was it mm. you know um, 
I was going to ask you about the piano later, but since you've mentioned it a few times there, when you were so you were very advanced on the classical piano and that was one thing. But when you were then asked to go and play with the traditional tunes, who taught you that or who were you listening to 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 get in on that? What was your what was your I had had nobody actually. I had no I had no idea at all what to do. Um, My mother was a piano teacher. Um, well known around the county and her aunt as well. But uh, when the county flower was held in Ennis, she was asked to enter a few people into the competition. And uh, she had a book, uh, a Scottish book, Alan's Irish Pianist, and she gave it to me and she said, pick something out of that and learn it. So I learned off, uh, I remember distinctly, Tatterjack Walsh. Mm. And then the other thing I learned was... um, Carolyn's Concerto, um, because of course we were listening to Sean Orieda. And uh, so I did an arrangement of that. So I was able to play by ear, which I I, I don't know how I learned to do that, but I think I, I was probably always messing around with the piano, but I can't remember exactly. But I do remember that I played those two tunes and my uh, esteemed adjudicator was Leo Rossum, who was a really, really kind man. <laughs> and he praised me for my lovely jig and he said it might be a good idea to learn another dance tune for <laughs> the next flyer, which was in, um, uh, where was it, Charleville. And uh, my adjudicator there was she- uh, Seamus Connolly. And Seamus Connolly, yeah, said, uh, you know, my right hand was great. And he said to focus in on the left hand and not so much to play chords, to think of it as a bass line. And so, you know, it was actually through adjudication that I learned my melodic style. You know, there was nobody to be, li- there was no one to listen to. There were no, you know, um, 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 Michal O'Sullivan hadn't recorded at that stage. So I, I was just, and I actually learned my melodies from just playing with the, the three, um, the three men and then the other thing that happened then in terms of accompaniment um, there was a local Kelly band in uh, Gorpa Farn, a school band and the principal of the school um, they had entered that band for the same fla and uh, they were told oh you need a piano player so of course I was the piano player that that was you know in the competition so they approached me from a townie and uh, I said, but sure, I don't know what to do. And uh, it was Flan Garvey. He's, he was a politician subsequently. But uh, he said, oh, don't worry, I'll uh, help you, you know. And he wasn't a musician at all. So he brought in a reel-to-reel recorder and he said, now play with that. And he showed, and I said, well, what do I do? So he proceeded to show me how to work the machine <laughs> and how to press play and wind up the, the tape and so on. And then uh, he, he said, no, play with that. But I said, what do I play? And he said, well, sit down at the piano and just go oompa, oompa. <laughs> so <laughs> I sat down at the piano, went oompa, oompa to discover that our piano was not in concert pitch, that it was, uh, so I had to play in E flat. So because thankfully I loved scales and arpeggios and the piano, so playing in the black keys wasn't an issue to me at all. I just did that. Then I'd go out to Gorpaferna to the school and the piano was in a different key. I don't know what it was. It was flat anyway. So I would play there. I might have been playing in C maybe or something. And then the only time I'd get to play in concert pitch was when we'd go into the actual competitions. But I never actually remember it being an issue. 
But uh, in terms of developing the style, then it was from observing and listening to other people what they were doing. I mean, obviously, people like Kitty Lennon, Bridie Lafferty, Georgie Burton, so on, you know. Um, but then later on, listening to um, Charlie Lennon, I mean, he was hugely influential in the development of my style, you know. So that's really it in as much of a nutshell as I'm able to <laughs> put it in. Well, it's, a, it's a fascinating road into into the, the, the learning <laughs> of it, definitely. Um, I know, to survival of the fittest, I think, you know. And then, of course, with Eamon and the family at home, we'd have, you know, we'd have been playing around at home as well. So I kind of so did get to practice, practice a little, well, yeah. not so much practice, but play, yeah. you know, so. And experiment, I suppose, know. and try things out. And experiment yeah. a little bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. Geraldine, just even listening to you, I mean, things have changed so much in terms of piano playing and traditional music over the years since then. Are you pleased with all that? Is it is it exciting to, to watch it happen? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's certainly, I'd say, in the last <clears throat> 20 years, uh, piano playing has improved. But I think also the, pres- the piano is more present than it had been. It was originally the predominant instrument for accompaniment. Um, but then, of course, when venues stopped having pianos, um, you know, the piano just fell out of fashion and then you had instruments like the guitar and bazooki being included, although I'm not, the the guitar was also there in the past, but we'll say in terms of general playing, um, those instruments and the and the Bauron as well. They all kind of increased in popularity. And while there were no keyboards around, um, the piano just uh, lost, um, you know, its popularity. And then I think um, over the years, then it became associated with um, music from the past rather than maybe some of the more um, modern approaches to traditional music. Then, uh, so I avoided getting a keyboard for years. So I kind of fell off the map as a piano player really for a long time because I was I was patiently waiting for the return of the the an actual piano. I just hated I hated the sound of keyboards. I still do. I even don't like digital pianos, even though. I play them myself most of the time when I'm out. That's what I have to play. But um, I still don't feel I'm playing the piano when I'm playing those, you know. So, um, but when digital pianos um, became popular and the sound improved, um, it became more popular again. And I mean, there are magnificent piano players out there and I'm not even going to start naming because I'll end up leaving out somebody. It's too dangerous. It's too dangerous, (laughs) but really, really, there there are... Magnificent piano players. Um, okay, well, coming back to the to the CD, um, the Friends of Note. Many people, many listeners would, of course, know the the three musicians who were on this CD with you: Padre O'Loughlin or Peter O'Loughlin, Paddy Canny, and then Paddy Murphy was probably the less well known of the three. But tell me just a little bit about the other the others uh, first before we talk about Paddy Murphy. So. Peter O'Loughlin, he was uh, the youngest of the three, I think, a multi instrumentalist. He was the he was, yeah. And at the time, I would have known him as a flute player. Um, that's what he played. And that's actually what's on the album. Yeah. I also would have known that he was a piper, although I don't remember really hearing him play the pipes when I was growing up. But it was in later years then when I continued playing with him that um, I, I, he just played fiddle with us and occasionally the flute. Do you know? So, um, but oh no, he was, he was a huge influence 
Franz Hike, an iconic musician, you know. Um, and you've you've chosen a duet here with him, a track off the album that you play with him, the the Dunmore Lasses and the Shaskeen. Why did you choose these tracks? Well, I chose that because I think that it shows off his flute playing and the style, his 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 style and the energy that's in it is what really draw, draws me to it. It's just his the energy of that particular track. I did. Um, I'm vamping on that one, I think. But I had done another track with him where I played melody, so I um, the one with melody probably was part of the early recording, you know. So um, yeah, I like that. I like that track. I. I just like the energy that's in it. and the Shaskeen played there by Geraldine Cotter with Peter O'Loughlin from the album Friends of Note which is the album we're discussing here on tonight's Rolling Wave um, Geraldine Cotter Paddy Canny then the fiddle player um, what was Paddy Canny like and how, how did you know him? I knew Paddy again from those journeys back to Minogue's, um with Peter and Paddy Murphy and uh, I mean, he was an amazing fiddle player, as you know. I don't need to go through that. But um, I think my understanding is that Peter met Paddy Canny when he joined the Tulla Cayley Band. So um, one of the interesting things actually is that um, there was um, Sean Reid, who was a county engineer, um, that was appointed by the county council as an engineer, um, fiddle player, piper, piano player. Um, he had a car when people had no cars, so he used to bring musicians from the east of the county to the west of the county and vice versa, or maybe they'd meet in Ennis. So he was hugely influential in the preservation, really, but also in the development of traditional music in the county. But uh, I, it would have been, you know, uh, he... he he would have possibly introduced them or uh, because Sean Reid also played piano with the Tala Kelly band. So um, there was a strong connection between um, um, Paddy Canny and Peter O'Loughlin in that way. And they had recorded together, of course, as well in the All-Ireland Champions in 1957, you know, um, with Bridie Lafferty and Peter Hayes. We had a funny day making that oh, record. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we didn't even practice the tune. It was just like now. Uh, what will we play next? If you're, that's, that's, right. Right, that's right, that's right. And we had a studio booked for us by this American crowd that we made it for, in Peter Hunt's, in Dublin. And after spending about an hour and two hours maybe there, we were told that our time was up. <laughs> we could do no more. Somebody else was coming in at such a time and get out, like. So we, we had nothing for next day. So we finished it up in a place in 40... Henry Street, I forget who it belonged to. Across from the GPO. There, there was a. And just, I think it was there we did it all. It was there we. Maybe, I don't remember if the few tunes we made in Hunts were passed on to America or not, I forget. I'm not too sure. But, but I know we made the whole record anyway in four or five hours. Mm-hmm. No rehearsals, no nothing. Just uh, straight in. Straight in, what will we play? Kenny and Hayes were used to playing a lot together at the time. 
and I suppose I had played a good few tunes with him, but they were playing together at home. And a small amount of refined instruments mm. are easy enough to handle in a studio, you know. Mm. The voices of Paddy Canny and Peter O'Loughlin talking to Philip King there about the making of that album All-Ireland Champions, which they recorded with PJ Hayes and Bridie Lafferty. And uh, I suppose giving us an insight into the world of recording at that time. Geraldine Cotter, the second track we're going to hear from Friends of Note is a track with you and Paddy Canny and you're playing Morrison's and the Lilting Banshee here. What do you like about these ones? Well, I just think it, it exemplifies Paddy's style, but also I think um, for, it, you know, Morrison's is a relatively, um, I suppose, common tune pe- that people will know. But I actually love the twist that Paddy has at the end of the second half of the tune. So it just drew me to it. It is just a very subtle, a very subtle difference, but it lifts the tune beyond, I suppose, what we're used to yeah. hearing, you know, it just adds something extra to it. But it does exemplify his flowing style. I suppose it developed my own style, the style my father, you know, had. Mm-hmm. Then he had that style of playing, I suppose I picked it up and I liked to, maybe over the years, I liked to, I, I, I when certain musicians they've had, mm. I'd like to sort of play like him if I was able. Of course, Coleman's records had a mighty influence in his eye, we thought. If we could do it near it, sort of, that was the real thing. and the lilting banshee played there by Paddy Canny and Geraldine Cotter um, and, and then the third musician was Paddy Murphy and um, there's an interesting clip I might just play it now before we talk about him where uh, Paddy Murphy's talking to Garrod O'Halloran and uh, he's talking about the concertina and the, the fact that he had to enter into the FLA not in a specifically in a concertina uh, category you might have a listen to it and we'll talk about it afterwards the miscellaneous competition then, it was a mix and gathering of any instrument that there wasn't a competition for. Yeah. Pianos, banjos, mouth organs. And the standard wasn't great. I mean, there was an advantage in playing a concertina. It was the most likely instrument in it, mm-hmm. you know, for mm-hmm. to play a few tunes. Mm-hmm. I remember Leo Rosen was the adjudicator that day. There wasn't another concertina in cabin that day, and most of the crowd that day, I don't think they ever reinforced our concertina. It was a novelty, a bit of a surprise yeah. with a lot of the crowd. Did you make a recording for Ready Wearing that day, after the competition? We did. Sean McRaymond was the man in the job. We did. Yourself and Peter? Uh, myself and Peter, yes, and... Uh, I think I played a few tunes on my own too. Yeah. It was broadcast after. It was the first time I remember when the sun that came up, that came over. It was the first time that I ever heard myself play it back. And uh, I thought it was a mighty exciting thing, uh, sitting here at home, 
waiting for anything to come on yeah. the radio. Paddy Murphy there being interviewed by Gerard O'Halveron and that's a track from uh, a CD called In Good Hands uh, featuring Paddy Murphy. Um, Geraldine, it's fascinating listening to him there talking about listening to himself on the radio but also just about being in the Flan Cavan and the concertina not having its own category in the competition at that time. Well, in terms of the competitions, it took years before the, the concertina became established as an instrument in its own right, warranting a competition for itself, you know. Yeah. And there was actually, which is really strange, there was a piano, a piano competition, I think, from the very early flas, but there wasn't a concertina competition, which is very strange. But, uh, yeah, so he was the only one that time he went into the miscellaneous competition. And I think subsequently then... Um, Chris Droney joined um, subsequent competitions and that. But uh, Paddy was a very shy man, you know, and uh, very retiring and very self-conscious in terms of recordings. That was Paddy. Uh, Paddy was a gentleman. Paddy was a very quiet man. He never pushed his way around. He always, if you'd like, sat in the back until someone pulled him out from the back. And um, that's the way he played. He played as easy as he acted. And his feelings came out in his music, you know. Cooley's Hornpipe, written by Paddy O'Brien and played there solo by Paddy Murphy from the CD we're discussing tonight with Geraldine Cotter, Friends of Note. Geraldine, the repertoire of tunes on this album is interesting because it's not all local tunes and, and some of them uh, came to the musicians through an interesting man called Hughie Doohan. Tell me about Hughie Doohan. Yeah. Oh, Hugh D. Doohan was a fiddle player. He also played with the Fearcrow Kelly band. He was also a postman and his home in Connolly was really a well-known place for people going on cours. But Paddy Murphy and Peter Lachlan often spoke about uh, sitting around the kitchen table and Hugh D. Doohan would have O'Neill's uh, Thousand and One Gems open in front of him and he, as he played the notes, um, the others learnt the tunes from him. So it was a kind of a secondary transmission, you know. So it was a very interesting way. But that it introduced a lot of repertoire like the Flax and Bloom and Kit O'Mahony's Jig. They all they're you know, they learnt that repertoire through uh Hudy playing those tunes from um the O'Neill's Thousand and One. So it was really interesting. But other you know, the repertoire really that was played in Kilmele came from all sorts of places. It came from seventy eights, it also came from people like Paddy O'Brien, um, who um would have been a great friend of Peter O'Loughlin in the Tullochaley band, but also um Peter would have invited him over to the concerts in Kilmele over from County Tipperary. And, uh, I mean, he was very influential in uh, the development of a new style of accordion playing, you know, which was 
more complex, but also a great composer of tunes. And Peter would have played uh, a lot of his tunes as well over the years. And Paddy Murphy, actually, as well, you know, would have played his tunes because Paddy's, uh, Paddy was an innovator in the concertina as well. You know, he played um, a very far more complex style than had been played locally be before him, you know. And he influenced a lot of concertina players. Um, including people like um, Noel Hill and that would have visited him and, you know, learnt a lot from him. I have a, a great belief that he passed on his concertina playing to the most of the country right now. Now, even that some of those people that are playing concertinas very well now never knew him. But at the same time, it all came from him. I'll tell you about 1954 when we first played in a competition, both of us together, in Cavan Town at the first All-Ireland Flair we attended. And um, the competitions that time were scarce. You know, there was just fiddle flute and pipes and accordion and bands and so on. But there was no concertina competition. There was no underage or anything. It was just all one straight thing. But um, Sean Reid, who was a man that took care of a lot of musicians around the country mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. brought them places where they might never have been. But he entered us for all the competitions we were in. We didn't have a clue or think about it. But he entered Paddy for a competition, miscellaneous instruments, mm. you know, <laughs> because there was no concertina competition. So Paddy went and he played in that. And I can remember that day well. Um... He went in and he played, and Leo Rowson was the adjudicator. And uh, when several people had played banjos and piano accordions and so on in this thing, Paddy appears with his little concertina. And I'm sure that a lot of people didn't think he had anything when he <laughs> appeared on the stage, you know. But uh, I don't know what he tunes he played. I do know that he played the Mason's Apron, and I'm certain that he played the Ace and Juice. Because Willie Clancy was standing beside another neighbour up the road here, Mickey Hanrahan, and he turned round, you know, and he gave, gave a elbow to Mickey, and he said, it's a great one for Leo, he said. <laughs> you know, the ace and juice, because it was one of Leo's... To find favour with yes, the judge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, with, as, as that happened, Leo did fold up his papers and so on and just relaxed, sat back and listened to it. I don't believe he wrote anything. Only winner, <laughs> possibly, you know. <laughs> but that was my first memory of Paddy in a competition my, it was the first time I saw him in a competition and that was the effect he had well from that day on there was a concertina competition and Paddy was the cause of that and that, let there be no doubt about it and from there on concertinas grew to what they are now so I'm fully convinced that um, Paddy was the start of the present surge of concertina players Peter O'Loughlin talking to Peter Brown there from the RTE archives and they're talking, they were talking about Paddy Murphy and his role in what they later in that interview referred to as the concertina boom. Geraldine, did, did Paddy Murphy teach music as well? No, no. And at the time, actually, if you think back to when he died in 1992, really the idea of um, music lessons was really, it was 
still more or less in its infancy, really, you know. Mm. You'd have big, massive classes, but he would have not gone in. He would never have been sitting in front of a big class of people, but he would have had people maybe visiting him, mm. you know, and he would have played with them. The same with Peter O'Loughlin. Peter O'Loughlin would never have considered himself a teacher or Paddy Kenny, but they would have taught in the really best way possible. You know, you they like nearly like gurus, you know, people would, would visit them and listen to them and absorb what they played and listened holistically to the whole thing and learned that way. So, um, but Peter never taught either. Like, you know, things like the Willie Clancy Week, I suppose, um, as that um, opened up, it opened up different opportunities for people to learn. Um, and that's where uh, people like Peter and Paddy Kenny um, were given recognition and given a status as that, you know, um, that people can go in and, and they were highly respected and um, people were encouraged to go in to listen to their music and to learn from them. So Geraldine, then when yourself and Pather O'Loughlin and Paddy Canny and Paddy Murphy came together to make this album, how, how did that come about? I mean, whose idea was it and, and who organised it? Um, um, I didn't know we were making a recording of any kind, but uh, subsequently I know it was Seamus McMahuna. Um, it was his brainchild. Seamus McMahuna was originally from Clare as well and a member of the early Coltus um, organisation in, in Clare. And he was the secretary for a few years. But he got a job, uh, a full-time job, um, in, as Tim Rakeol with Coltus Coltorian. And... Uh, so one of the things that he did was he recorded musicians, lots of iconic musicians. And part of this was the recording of um, the three and myself. So it was Seamus McMahon's brainchild, you know. And, and why? Well, like it, it happened over, there were three recording sessions and it happened over, I'm not sure how many years between the first one and the last one, but... Why then, um, what what was wrong with the recordings that they weren't released at the time? I think what happened was, very, you know, it, that time recording was done in an, in analogue, so there were no real editing options in the, the way you have now with digital recording. So the aim was to make <clears throat> the recording perfectly the first time you did it. And any um, editing involved cutting and splicing of tape. So um, it, it, it really meant that people were more on edge than you would be if you were playing nowadays in a recording, you know. So there was always somebody unhappy with what was done on the given day. And so then that left a gap until the next recording and the next recording. So actually there were three separate sessions. The first one was in the Cultorlin in Dublin. Now the Cultorlin didn't open until 1974, so it was after that. Um, but I think it might have been 76 or 7 or something. You know, it was, it was early on anyway. Yeah. So um, the Cultourlin had a recording studio and a piano in the studio. So, but we all sat in the same space, you know, and Seamus then was at the desk recording. So that was the first session. And then the second session, a number of years later, was in the home of Francie and Maureen O'Halloran. Actually, you mentioned Garod O'Halloran earlier. That was his home place. And um, the recording was done there. 
And there were issues that day as well. So it was decided, oh, we'll leave it another while. And the third effort then was in our first house in the Cusick Road, in the Lahinch Road in Ennis. And that was the last of the three recordings. And that was sometime after 1986, so I don't know. But it was between 1986 and 1988. I have no exact date for that. And then it was shelved because nobody was happy because I suppose, the, you know, editing wasn't going to be done on it. But um, Seamus McMahona, every time I'd meet Seamus, he was regretting that it never got completed. And of course, by 1992, poor Paddy Murphy had died. So it, there was no opportunity to go at it a fourth time. So I suppose then um, as the uh, years passed and the options for digitising recordings came, came in, Seamus again um, made another effort and he approached Frank Whelan in Koshnahauna in Ennis. And um, so Frank actually has an archive in Ennis as well in Koshnahauna. But it was his, he actually took control of it and he got Ronan Brown then to digitise everything and to engineer the pro project to, to completion. So it was launched finally in 2019 in Glore in Ennis. So. It must have been quite an emotional experience then being at the launch. And I know you were joking that somebody described you as the last surviving member <laughs> of, of the quartet. Right. <laughs> but it must yeah, have been, I, you know. It was terrible. It was the, the last <laughs> surviving member and I 40 years younger than them, you know. But, <laughs> but it made me feel ancient. But it just shows you, you know, the, the gap in the years from the recording to, you know, the to, the, to actually the release of the recording. Um, like in the intervening years, I'm probably catching up with them, you know. So, <laughs> so that was it. But it was actually, to go back to your question, it was an emotional uh, occasion. And I was, which I wasn't particularly prepared for, you know, um, because the recording was done and dusted. It was something that, you know, I, I was excited that it was being released, but I didn't realise that, um, that it would be uh, an emotional event. And of course, the families were all there, representatives from the three families, Beto, Lachlan and Mary, Mary Coughlin and Paddy Murphy's uh, family and the Canny family. Were, oh, they were all there. And uh, um, Nicky McAuliffe did the launch. And when we sat down before he spoke a word, he played a track from All-Ireland Champions. And it was, of course, there were speakers all over the place. And it was like they were all in the room with us. It was, I, I really, it was very, very poignant. Mm -hmm. And we were, everybody felt it and, and at the occasion. And uh, it was wonderful to see Seamus McMahona there that day as well. Um, because, you know, he's getting older as well. So it was really, really um, important for him to see the completion of his prize, his prize recording that had nagged him for years and years. And it was great to see that it actually finally got released, you know. So Absolutely. it was a very, very happy occasion, but uh, it was emotional, I suppose. And you think they'd be happy with it now, the other three? 
I think they would, you see, because any flaws that would have been in it would have been ironed out now because of the mm. new new way of editing, you know, that wasn't really available at that time. And anyway, it is actually a reflection of music that is no longer played, really. It is, it is really um, lets you into a period, you know, it's like a snapshot of a period, you know. Just finally, before you go, uh, Geraldine, you have a track on the Reilach Records uh, album, which came out uh, there last year, released last year, Rauer Reilach. And I think an album, a solo piano album in the making. Is that right? I have. Yeah, I have. Yeah. And I've actually in that new album that I'm going doing, there is also um, there are tracks of um, a reed organ in it as well. So um, it's going to be a bit different um, and it's different to what I'd normally do. I kind of uh it's there are some compositions that i have and arrangements of things that i have done which are a bit different and uh i've involved my family a lot in it otherwise known as the brady bunch yeah. but <laughs> uh they get roped into things they can't say no, no. um uh, so yeah and jack telty of course has been a huge support in all of that and uh I've um, Neil O'Loughlin bassist on it and Matt Burrell on clarinet on it as well. And as I say, all my family, my husband, John, Maeve, Killian and Oshin. And uh, Oshin is on the electric guitar in it, actually, on a composition that I did uh, for my late brother, Kiron. And I have Gráinne on it. And who else have I left out anybody? And obviously Eamon, my brother. So, and yeah, so there's... Um, is is that know. due for release soon then, Geraldine? It's re- it's due for release last year. <laughs> okay, well, so it's nearly there. So it's 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 it, it will be. I'd say, please God, it will be by the end of this year. You know, so that's the aim anyway. So. Okay, well, look, we'll look forward to that, and I look forward to being able to play it here on the program as well. But um, back to tonight's featured album, a fantastic recording, friends of note, music from Geraldine Cotter, Paddy Canny, Peter O'Loughlin, and Paddy Murphy, recorded many years ago, but finally released back in 2019. So we're going to end this chat with another track from it. This is all four musicians playing the Merry Sisters and Kiss the Maid Behind the Barrow. Thank you very much, Geraldine Cotter, for being with us tonight on The Rolling Well. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Rolling Wave podcast. For rights reasons, the music here is shorter than in the original broadcast. So if you'd like to hear the full versions, just go to rte.ie forward slash radio one forward slash the rolling wave. And this programme was first broadcast on the 25th of April 2021. Till the next time, Gurmila Mahagi Agaslan.